Blog Talk Radio. very much for staying with technical difficulties today we've uh, just signed on to hd radio and so we're trying to do what we can on our end to get a little bit better sound um and actually broadcast in hd but i don't think that i'm currently in an area where i have enough bandwidth to do that so um i uh, i'm going to go ahead and go to our regular commercial break uh while i switch over to the old system uh, which uh, so so no worries there. We will welcome uh, Peter Brown, uh, also known as the Chicken Doctor, is our guest today. He's going to be talking about chick behavior. So uh, having a little technical difficulties, a brand new system. We just switched over to eight, and so um, uh, I think we're having some technical problems. So, um, but I'm gonna seems like it's working okay now. Just give me just a second. I'll go to commercial break uh, again. This is all uh, in hopes to improve our sound quality for you, our listeners. So if you'll just uh, uh, hang tight for a minute, I want to check our uh, sound quality. I want to see if we can bring Peter on, but I'm going to go to a short commercial break real quick uh, to check some things on our end. Again, we're broadcasting today in true HD, and um, so uh, sound should be improved if we continue to have some decent bandwidth. So uh, stand by. Uh, I'm also going to see if we have anybody come into the uh, chat room that can give us a sound update. So uh, stand by for some checking. The, the show will go on today one way or the other. I'm just, again, brand new HD. We're trying to make it work here for you guys so you can have some better sound when you're tuning into the radio show. So uh, stand by. We'll be back uh, after the short break one way or the other. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. 
Brincey spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincey.com or call 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brincey. Technology you can trust. Introducing the BrightTap Chick Feeder, the cleaner feeder that grows with your flock. The BrightTap Feeder is designed with a unique shield that prevents chicks from standing on the feed tray and pooping into their food. The shield keeps the feed clean, so you spend less time cleaning the feeder. And when your chicks grow up and leave the brooder, you can use the BrightTap Feeder outdoors to give your adult chickens scratch, grit, and oyster shells. The unique shield also prevents rain from getting into the feed tray and spoiling the food. The Bright Tap feeder fills easily through a lid in the top. No more spills or wasted feed. To learn more, visit our website, chickenwaterer.com. That's chickenwaterer.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com and try Love Nest organic blends for your backyard friends today. Cackle Hatchery is a third generation family owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended, pure, 
wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with The Chicken Whisperer. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. My name is Andy Schneider. Most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity Program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Please visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. This show is brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. Okay, so um, a little bit uh, different than our normal show startup, because we are uh, actually have been upgraded to uh, Block Radio Pro, which uh, does allow us to broadcast in HD, but you have to have a apparently a tremendous uh, bandwidth and uh, internet uh, wireless connection or, or something like that. So we're just trying it out today. So um, hopefully y'all, let me go ahead and try to bring Peter on and see if he can even hear me, and we'll see what's uh, going on. Uh, Peter, you're live. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, Andy. How are you? Just wanted to make sure good. I just wanted to make sure you could hear me. I didn't know if I was talking to any dead air or what else was going on, but um, uh, I guess it was last Friday, I uh, received a phone call from Blog Talk, and uh, they talked about a new um, opportunity to go HD and improve quality of sound. So uh, we were going to try it yesterday, and uh, it didn't work. Jen had a doctor's appointment. The only time they could fit her in was 15 minutes before showtime, but uh, family come first, so we did that. Glad you could come on today and talk about chick behavior, but um, I'll rely on you to let me know if I'm breaking up any of the commercials are breaking up any there may be a little bit of that but the little bit of breakup may be well worth the increased sound quality uh that the people uh get when they're listening to the show including the archive so i too will listen to the archive um let us see if uh, we do get any improvement in sound and uh if, if the improvement of uh, broadcasting in hd uh is much better than the occasional uh, weird uh, crackle or uh, you know that digital blah, 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 then uh, then then it may be worthwhile to do this. I just know I have to be in a pretty uh, uh, with the area preferably uh, uh, direct connect. But we're gonna try it and see. I'll listen to the uh, archive and see if uh, it's a vast uh, the so the shows sample shows I did listen to from Blog Talk. There was a tremendous uh, in, uh, sound quality difference in the way we've been doing it. And you know I've got I've got the mixing board. I've got every all that stuff, but it's just a pain to set up. And I'm on the road so much, it's hard to set up just for the show every single day. So I've been doing other things. But this may be maybe the answer if I can get it to uh, work for us. So, uh, but anyway, thanks for joining us today, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Visit them online, firststatevetsupply.com. And today we're talking about chick behavior. We were going to try to cover it last week, but hey, we we went long and, and that was great because it was a great episode talking about the Merrick's vaccine, which was a tremendous information. But we do have Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, on today to follow up with that uh, on chick behavior. Let me just give you an update too on our Facebook page. Hopefully you follow us there. Yesterday I posted some really great uh, articles. Uh, one was about um, external parasites, mites, lice, fleas, 
and chickens. It was done by a, a candidate for PhD at the University of California, Riverside. His uh, article. It was great, very informative, and uh, got shared lots of times, which was good. But and a lot of great comments about that article that was posted. Also posted about a, a, an article regarding the importance of biosecurity, and unfortunately posted another um, news article where the uh, avian influenza, the high path avian influenza, has moved a little bit further east now uh, into Wisconsin from Minnesota. There were, uh, I believe it was 12 or 13 so far infected turkey farms in Minnesota. 1.2 million turkeys have been culled, and now this new finding of highly pathogenic avian influenza bird flu uh, has uh, been found. Uh, on a chicken farm in Wisconsin, 200,000 uh, chickens will be culled uh, and the farm will be um, uh, quarantined. Uh, and so we're, we're just we're watching this kind of uh, develop in, in front of our eyes. So, hey, we've done several shows recently on AI, avian influenza. Uh, we, did, we had Peter Brown on. We had uh, Dr. McRae. We had Dr. Patiski. We had a doctor with the USDA on who was uh, working with uh, the folks out there when it first came down through Oregon and Washington and uh, California. And now we see it in the Mississippi flyway uh, as the birds, migrating birds, are starting to move back up north and fly through uh, the U.S. And uh, so be following along on that. By far, the number one, everybody agrees, the most important thing we can do right now is biosecurity. Um, and if you need to know more about biosecurity, you can also visit our Facebook page. So I uh, just wanted to say there's some great things posted, really good reads over on our Facebook page. So, Peter, I'm going to go ahead and uh, we'll turn it over to you. We're talking about chick behavior today, even as little as uh, in the brooder, of course, and trying to maybe identify. I know those problem birds we may have to deal with later on. So uh, and, and other things about chick behavior. So, um, hey, we appreciate you joining us and we're looking forward to uh, taking some notes today. Sure. Yeah, you're breaking up uh, just a little bit, and I, <clears throat> there's like a backfeed echo in, in in my headset here. I don't know whether it's on. Okay, no, that's fine. All the all the you're, you're all the feedback's great. Ever, you're louder than you've ever been when you talk. Um, I mean, it's it's much. Um, it seems like it's louder, but this might be clearer for for all I know. But um, we'll, we'll right. see what it is. We'll go with it and see how it works. Uh, yeah, I, I can make an adjustments on my end, but thanks for letting me know, and I'll listen to the archive and, and make see yeah. if it's going to be worthwhile or not. Yeah. Um, also, I'm going to drop a little bit of information about uh, uh, a disease called AE, uh, which is known as avian encephalomyelitis, and uh, we'll we'll do that if we have time after we go through some of the uh, chick behavior thing. Uh, neither is a huge subject here, so. Uh, um, I'm going to bring up the avian uh, encephalomyelitis uh, simply because I had uh, uh, somebody who uh, ended up having it, so it's worth uh, talking about it and explaining the ins and outs of it and the whys and how it comes. So we'll, we'll hopefully get to that today. If not, we'll start with it next week. But uh, we'll get started here. Um, yeah, uh, chick behavior um, seems to be a problem, uh, especially this time of year. A lot of people putting down a lot of chicks and and. Um, I think one of the tendencies of, of, of folks who raised uh, chickens uh, is to um, hatch them and forget them. And I don't mean they don't feed them, water them, but they, uh, they certainly do that. And, uh, but they don't <clears throat> take the time to, uh, uh, to look at those chicks and uh, uh, look at their overall behavior. Uh, and then down the road, uh, I get all kinds of uh, private messages, emails, phone calls from, from people who have uh, some birds that are bad actors, and it can be male or female, it doesn't matter. Um, 
So I thought it would be worth taking a look at it um, and trying to uh, uh, ward off any of the problems that, that come uh, with this type of a situation where uh, uh, birds become more aggressive. Uh, and you can see it early on. Uh, the uh, discovery, so to speak, um, of uh, a pecking order in, in animals, uh, especially poultry, uh, goes back to the uh, uh, early 1900s, about 1930, uh, in that range, uh, where it was observed that uh, there indeed is a, a, a pecking order or a hierarchy, if you will, uh, within a flock or group of, of animals. And uh, so uh, we, we see it in cows, we see it in, in, in other animals, we certainly see it in, in, in chickens. And the the way you uh, look at your chickens, uh, uh, it's a competitive behavior in the, in the very beginning, and um, it's <clears throat> it really starts really really early. So you have to um, be cognizant of that fact, and you have to understand it uh, from the beginning uh, in order to try to uh, uh, stop it from happening all the way out to the end, where you've got a, a bad actor that just has to be dispatched or whatever. But um, so this competitive behavior, oftentimes we think it's funny. Uh, we look at birds pushing each other around in a brooder and, uh, and that kind of thing. But it really starts uh, right around three or four days of age. Uh, it starts, really starts that early with birds being more assertive, uh, pushing their, their uh, uh, pen mates around, uh, brooder mates. Um, and it, <clears throat> it progresses from there. So when you see birds that are in the brooder uh, and are... Um, starting to push other birds around, uh, it's worthy of keeping an eye on them, uh, maybe putting a, a different colored uh, leg band or something uh, uh, on that particular bird uh, or birds to see if they're always the ones that you see uh, that are uh, bad actors starting out in their, in their, in their, their youth. Uh, uh, they're always going to be pushing themselves around, asserting their authority, uh, their dominance, uh, other birds being subordinate and, and so on. Um, and that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about breaking up the peck order, but I'm talking about birds that are overly uh, vicious, uh, overly uh, assertive, uh, and really, you know, really pushing people around. I, I've seen it. Uh, maybe other people have seen it, but I've seen it where uh, birds will exclude other birds from even eating and drinking. And, it, and if it's left unchecked, uh, the bird that can't eat and drink uh, either succumbs uh, to and becomes tomorrow's mortality uh, or they are just uh, birds that fail to thrive and, and just don't do well because of the, the pressures that are uh, uh, exerted by these more dominant birds. So you need to be cognizant of that. You need to be aware of it, uh, pay attention to it, uh, and make sure that it's not happening uh, in your own uh, brooder. Um, as the birds progress in age, we start to see them uh, uh, again, uh, exerting their dominance over subordinate birds, uh, and some of those uh, ways that they do that, um, their their posturing behaviors. Okay, uh, it may be nothing more than uh, wing flapping. Okay, uh, it may be wing flapping and thrusting the chest out forward. Okay, uh, it may be wing flapping, throwing the chest out forward, and then pecking the other one in the face or the head or the back of the head uh, or around the uh, the vent, okay? Um, a lot of these behaviors, especially behavioral behaviors, um, 
most of them are learned. Okay. Uh, certainly there are, are genetic things that make birds aggressive. I'm not talking about that. That's something that is in the genetics of the bird, some breeds being more aggressive than others, both on the male and the female side. What I'm talking about is birds that are in, in the brooder uh, and just exerting that, uh, that dominance but doing it in a more severe way. Uh, left unchecked, those birds start to draw blood, and then it's Katie bar the door. Okay, uh, they, they will go after it, and they will just... Uh, uh, maim it and kill it, and, and that'll be the end of that. And once they get that taste of blood, uh, they seem to uh, uh, thrive on it and then start to go after the next bird that uh, doesn't pay attention. So then you need to be paying attention to make sure uh, this isn't going on in your brooder because these are the guys that left unchecked will become your birds that attack your children, uh, birds that attack you every time you go in the pen uh, because they haven't been taught how to do something differently. Um, some of the other behaviors uh, we see, that this uh, feather pulling, uh, head pecking, uh, eye pecking, uh, just this overall nasty, uh, dominant uh, uh, bullying, if, if you will. Uh, some of the lesser uh, things that you'll see uh, with birds that are not uh, going to probably give you too much trouble uh, is just a simple posturing, walking up to another bird and doing that little Mexican standoff thing. Maybe it's a head bob. Uh, maybe it's a little wing flap, and the subordinate bird walks away, and the other one goes away, and, and everybody's happy. But generally, in, in, in most brooders, uh, there are one or two or more uh, bad actors, and you need to identify them early on uh, in order to uh, you know to prevent these these uh, problems from uh, from going on. Um, when you start to take uh, chicks that are in a brooder, and um, you uh, hatched a bunch of chicks and the brood is full uh, or overfull. Uh, this overcrowding can also uh, cause uh, the birds to, uh, to be more aggressive towards each other. Um, and also when you take that uh, after that three or four day period when the, when the, uh, uh, the peck order is, is getting underway and, and just in its infancy and you pick up birds from there and you move them to another brooder, uh, you're going to interrupt this thing and depending on which ones you've moved around, uh, this is going to perpetuate itself and start all over again in, in a new brooder because now you've interrupted the, uh, uh, the normal uh, cycle of things. Uh, and sometimes you will have to take a bird who is a bad actor and just pull him right out of there and maybe put him by himself for a while, maybe put him in your pocket, carry him around for a little bit every day. Um, maybe more human interaction with him, uh, will, uh, him, her, or whichever, uh, you know, will help to, uh, to calm him down and uh, and break them some of these bad habits. Sometimes you can't break some of these habits. It's just uh, uh, the genetic part of it is inherent in the bird, and uh, kind of like an ADHD kid, uh, unless they're on medication for the most part, you, you know, very hard to control. Well, this could be the, the, the same way. So you're going to want to to keep an eye on it, and uh, you don't want to disturb uh, the the hierarchy uh, as, as best you can. Most of the time. Uh, you really would like to leave it alone as best you can. But this competitive behavior uh, it, it can and, and will get out of hand if it's uh, uh, you know, not mitigated and taken care of right up front. The, uh, the heavy uh, uh, head picking, feather picking, feather pulling, uh, bullying uh, uh, can and does often lead to, uh, to the cannibalism part of it where birds uh, succumb to their injuries from, from the uh, uh, the, the uh, higher up birds. Uh, 
but it is really a learned behavior. The, the, the others can start to learn this behavior from a bad actor, uh, and um, that's what you don't want. You don't want a bunch of birds running around every time they look at each other. They start pulling feathers and pecking each other in the eye and, and just generally beating each other up. <clears throat> I know from my own experience here uh, with our small flock, um, and we have mostly roosters, okay, and uh, um, I have found that the more room you give them and the more opportunity you give them to get away from each other, the better off they are. And there's uh, less uh, fighting, uh, less picking on everybody um, if you have an opportunity to, to, uh, to get away. Most of the time, uh, they won't chase each other too, too far. They want to stay around their own little area, but they don't like to, anybody else to invade their area. And uh, so we, we know... Uh, and I know from my own personal experiences that the more room you give them, the better off they are. Uh, they seem not to uh, uh, be as aggressive toward each other. Um, we make sure uh, that in the uh, mornings when the birds are turned out <clears throat> uh, that they um, have plenty of uh, feeder space, plenty of water space, and plenty of room to get away from each other uh, so that those opportunities, if they come up for somebody to uh, to be the, uh, the bully on the block today, that... Uh, these uh, you know, subordinate birds can uh, uh, can take a hike and get away from it and go somewhere else and still eat and drink and and uh, uh, and be taken care of in, in that fashion. I know we're talking about older birds there, but it, <clears throat> if you don't start it in the beginning, you really don't have to deal with it so much at the end. And how you manage the birds uh, in the brooder uh, will determine how well uh, they do uh, in the coop. So you're going to want to make sure that you you, know, you stay on top of, of all of those things. But um, some of the things that you can do, one of the things that I like to do uh, when, when brooding chicks, I know everybody um, worries about the cost of feed and everything else, but um, feather picking, um, cannibalism, bullying uh, is related to the, uh, to the lack of foraging. Uh, birds, uh, people forget lots of times, uh, birds are foragers. That's how... Uh, Jungle fowl <clears throat> um, uh, got their food. Nobody walked up and handed them a bucket full of food like we do today with today's modern uh, chicken rearing operations, uh, uh, backyard or, or otherwise. Uh, and um, so it's this this quick satiation that they get <clears throat> by eating uh, pellets. Uh, uh, it uh, it doesn't take them long to get a belly full, and uh, then they have a lot of time on their hands, and they they. Uh, the uh, pecking behavior hasn't been satiated uh, by pecking around for their food. So what I like to do with baby chicks is a little bit of uh, of the chick starter, put on a piece of uh, clean cardboard, okay, and uh, that can have the little chick feeder uh, on top of it as well, but around just a small handful of, of food, and it gets them into that pecking motion where they're down there, they're pecking, they're exercising, they're getting that pecking uh, more or less out of their system, if you will. Okay, and uh, it takes them longer to get it off of that uh, cardboard because you're not going to put it very deep. You're only going to put an eighth of an inch of feed there. Okay, whereas in a feeder, they're going to go into that feeder and they get a mouthful every time they go in there. They throw it all over the place anyway. So uh, a piece of cardboard put down, change daily so that they don't uh, uh, mess it all up with their manure and their water and everything else and make a, a soggy mess. But <clears throat> just that small act of making them work for it a little bit and make taking away that that uh, need to peck 
that seems to be what all the behavioral scientists are pointing to as the major uh, problem uh, as far as uh, pecking is concerned and cannibalism is concerned uh, almost in any age bird from chicks right on up to adults. Uh, <clears throat> the research has shown uh, that birds that eat uh, uh, pelletized feed uh, are more prone to cannibalizing, uh, more prone to bullying and bad behavior uh, as uh, birds that would be fed a uh, smaller type crumble. Um, the, um, the pelletized feed uh, should be avoided uh, if you have a flock of birds that are uh, more aggressive into feather picking, crest picking, uh, and, and <clears throat> excuse me, and all those kinds of things, uh, you're you're better off to give them a feed that will uh, uh, not fill them up so quick and make them work a little harder. Um, and you know, part of this research comes from the fact that uh, in looking at wild uh, jungle fowl having less problems with cannibalism, and looking at the amount of time that they spend, spend uh, they spend as much as 65% of their day foraging for food. Okay, and um, our chickens that we have today technically are no different at the end of the day, they're still chickens. And uh, the foraging behavior is still there, and if it isn't uh, dealt with, uh, it can end up with birds that um, uh, continue to uh, get aggressive and, in some cases, more aggressive than we would like. So it's, it's worthy uh, of taking a look at. Uh, that's how I like to do it with, with baby chicks uh, and get them started real good, uh, get them eating, and... Uh, try to keep them from uh, tearing each other apart. And, you know, look, some breeds are, are real passive and, and they don't have a problem with any of it. And some people have never had a problem in a brooder, and that's fine. That's fine. But uh, I, I do have a client that's, that has um, uh, Polish chickens, and uh, crest picking in them has always been a problem, especially in, in the brooder. And um, recently that uh, individual is, has changed away from using brooder light bulbs at all to strictly sweeter heaters where there is no basic light uh, and the crest pick, picking uh, and feather picking has stopped uh, pretty much completely. Um, uh, a word about, you know, um, anti-pick lotions and, and those kinds of things, uh, they are not um, generally going to uh, deter anything because you usually end up using them after the fact. And once the picking starts and gets to the point where you probably have really uh, recognized that it may be already too late, and putting uh, anti-pick lotion on generally uh, is not going to deter that behavior. So it, it is, for the most part, a learned behavior, um, and uh, so don't teach them. Don't don't do things to your birds that uh, allow them to uh, to go on and, and do this kind of thing to each other, uh, because like I said, once once they draw the blood, uh, you know that. They'll, they'll start going after everybody else, and, and uh, there'll be more birds uh, uh, having all kinds of problems. Uh, I've seen where they just eat right through to the body cavity on a bird, and it's amazing how they're still alive, but, but they, uh, they do it. Some other causes of, of cannibalism can be almost anything and anything that, uh, that you can think of, uh, but certainly injury, uh, birds that are in poor health, Genetics can, of a bird uh, or a bird population can certainly um, add to it. Uh, we see it with uh, boredom, uh, lack of foraging, uh, lack of uh, food and water will uh, set them off. Um, 
there is some scant evidence to, to show that um, uh, protein deficiency may cause uh, feather picking and pecking, uh, but it is not the uh, dominant reason why they do it. The dominant reason uh, is the lack of foraging uh, opportunities. And um, so <clears throat> some of the ways that you can uh, can uh, Encouraging, uh, encourage the birds to do uh, more foraging, obviously, is a free range, uh, but not everybody has that opportunity. Um, you know, we have a very large pen for our birds here, two separate areas uh, that are uh, all fenced in, and they can go in any area they want. Uh, they have a great opportunity to, to get away from each other. And there are a couple of birds that hang out in the back part of it. They just do. They don't want to associate with the others. Uh, they're roosters uh, as well. Uh, they're a different breed, um, and they just um, they just don't care to be out with everybody else, and they hang out in the back there with a couple of cats. So, um, you know, keeping things in mind, um, you don't want to let them run out of food and water, especially if you already got an ongoing problem. I can tell you that right now. If, if you've got an ongoing problem, uh, then uh, pen mates become the, the target. Um, so things that you can do, uh, you want to do preventative things. Um, create diversions for the birds. Um, I know that uh, taking a, um, a large, solid head of, of, of uh, cabbage and uh, driving a spike down through it and hanging several of them up in a pen uh, can certainly deter uh, bad behavior and uh, help to give them that satiation that they need for for the uh, the uh, pecking and. Uh, uh, that has been uh, helpful in the past. I've used it myself in the past. Uh, we've had other birds other than this particular flock that were a little bit on the aggressive side or birds that were locked in, couldn't get out for various reasons, uh, weather. Um, uh, you know, today here it's, uh, it's raining outside. The birds have access to the outside, but not everybody goes out. Um, we also have an opportunity here for them, those that do go out, that there is a separate pen within a pen outside that's covered so that they can get out from under the weather, but they can still be outside. Uh, and we've also, we've also found that they have a tendency to uh, group up certain groups of roosters in, in certain groups. So it gives them an opportunity to get outside. Uh, and we have really virtually no problem with uh, you know, that type of, of cannibalism uh, and thing. We do have one hen who is more aggressive and we've had to segregate her out from the flock for a while, uh, kind of like a timeout, and um, in the process of uh, reintroducing her back uh, to the flock and uh, see if we can get that, uh, that done. And, um, but again, it, it takes a while. Uh, we've uh, gone to putting her in a, uh, a large wire cage and putting her out in the middle of the yard, letting all the birds around outside, letting them, uh, and then letting a few of the boys we know that are real nice in with her for a little bit and let them back out and that kind of thing. It takes time. Uh, and that's what I was saying before when I opened this conversation up, that a lot of folks just throw them in a brooder and let them go, and they come out in the morning or whenever they feed up, and there's one dead, there's one dead over there, this one's picked, this one's got a bloody head, that one's got a bloody butt. Um, and um, it takes a little bit more uh, effort to, uh, to do these things. Uh, I'm not a big fan of straw and hay in, in a in a uh, in a brooder or a coop, uh, but if you have um, a, a picking problem, uh, you may put that in there and uh, uh, as a deterrent to uh, to picking, so that they will uh, will peck around in it and, and, and uh, push it around. Uh, 
course, shavings can help uh, as well. Um, the type of litter uh, can play a role uh, in the, uh, the, the uh, cannibalism pecking uh, routine. So uh, if you can try to, uh, to get them into that mode where they peck the ground rather than each other, uh, that's certainly going to be uh, uh, a, a plus for you and go a long way into to, uh, mitigating the circumstances that, that may arise. Uh, stop feeding pellets, in my opinion. Uh, go to more of a mash feed. If you can get a mash, that is much better. Uh, some people think it's wasteful, but so is the powder from the pellets. So um, I'm a bigger fan of feeding a mash-type feed. Uh, it, it is the best uh, that you can do for birds uh, that have a tendency to want to pick each other apart. Uh, birds that, that uh, forage uh, less Again, uh, reiterate it again, just so it drives the point home, uh, they have a tendency to be more cannibalistic uh, than others. Uh, you can, um, you know, give, uh, I'm not a big fan either of treats, but if you keep them to things like some chopped kale um, and things like that and keep away from your cracked corn and, and, your, and your scratch grains, um, that'll keep them busy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some birds will, will take and, and tear a pumpkin apart or a, a melon or anything like that to, uh, to mitigate the circumstance for, um, uh, for, uh, for this cannibalistic uh, type behavior. As the birds grow and they become, uh, hopefully you've got it under control by now to some degree, and uh, birds that become more aggressive and uh, don't want to pay attention to the things that you're doing, uh, and we've done this on the show before in the past, but we've been very successful with people from the show. Uh, we have been successful here in our own operation uh, in, in the beginning, uh, putting uh, pinless peepers on these birds. Uh, this will allow them to forage around and get their foraging behavior in. Uh, it'll allow them to see predators up, down, and to the side, but it limits their ability to see directly forward. Um, and uh, in most cases, not all, uh, it's a game changer. Uh, it's like them uh, waking up and saying, whoa, where'd the rest of the world go? And uh, so they, they don't have that same aggressive uh, behavior as a general rule. And I've also seen it where uh, nothing worked, okay? And that, to me, is more than likely just the genetic part of it uh, where nothing works. And we see the same thing in people that uh, commit crimes continually and, and uh, that kind of thing. So... Um, but again, going back to it, it's a lot of, a lot of this is a learned behavior, and uh, uh, you can do a lot uh, to uh, mitigate the circumstances yourself. Um, for some reason, uh, which is technically, uh, as far as I know, unexplained, uh, larger flocks seem to have less problems that are out and about uh, than do smaller flocks. Um, and I'm not quite sure. Uh, why that is the reason, but uh, that is uh, uh, what the behavioral scientists uh, are saying, that um, the larger flocks seem to have uh, less trouble with, uh, uh, with this kind of thing. Um, again, to go back and look at it, um, when these birds are about three days old, that's when it starts, okay? Um, and after some, I don't know, it's 10 days, two weeks in that range, that you can start to see a, a heavier uh, type of uh, uh, fighting, if you will, amongst the birds, pushing each other around, that kind of thing. So stay on your toes, watch for it, 
uh, and uh, you know, make sure that you uh, take the, you know, the appropriate steps to, uh, to take care of it. And uh, just keep in mind that uh, the, the jungle fowl uh, spend about 60% plus of their time foraging, and uh, the more you allow your birds to do it, uh, the better off they're going to be. Uh, I dare say that, um, and nothing's 100%, but I would say most people, uh, at least the ones that I've been in contact with, I don't think anybody's ever gotten a hold of me that had a true free-ranging flock that had a problem with, uh, with bad behavior. And um, that's one thing, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to keep in mind, uh, you know, when you get, go through and, and, and do this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, one other tip-off, too, is um, I've seen uh, people contact me um, that uh, the roux was fine, and then one morning they went out, uh, and all of a sudden he starts attacking and uh, those kinds of things. Um, it is to your advantage to wear the same colors every time you go out to a coop. Um, and uh, as they get to, to know what you uh, look like, every day, then they don't consider you a predator. Don't forget, the, the behavior that they're exhibiting as roosters uh, is normal. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to take care of the flock, and they don't give a damn if you've got a bucket full of food or not. <laughs> they really could care less. What they think is, hey, there comes somebody different, and, you know, gonna, I'm going to show my authority here. And uh, so keep that in mind. Perfumes can also set them off, different smells, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so just just be aware of, of all of those things, uh, and uh, I think you'll get the, your chicks and your flock off to a good start. But it all starts in the brooder, and I think that's important to uh, understand. And do you have anything to add, add to that? Or? That's I was I was thinking the same thing. Three days is when I always started seeing a lot of behavior changes, and uh, it when, when it comes to the brooder, and uh, you can definitely I think anybody who ever has. Um, done brooding before with their baby chicks whether they got them from a hatchery or hatched them out can definitely see uh kind of the day or two when that that aggressive behavior starts to uh begin and uh, a lot of people immediately think oh i've got a i've got a rooster or there'll be two sparring kind of in there and they'll come up against each other and and <laughs> go beak to beak and oh, i've got roosters but that's definitely not the case either uh, as I'm sure we've all found out that oh, I thought for sure that rooster based on the on the behavior and these two wanted to spar. So they just a lot of newbies will think oh, automatically that's a rooster. But you know, that's definitely not the case uh, either. Hey, Peter, I'm going to go to a commercial quick and we come back. We can uh, follow up anything about uh, chick behavior. And I want to touch a little bit on this uh, avian influenza thing and and uh, that type of thing. So uh, so stay with us, folks. We're talking to Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Visit him online, firststatevetsupply.com. Don't worry, we're going to come back, uh, finish up with chick behavior, and uh, and just uh, talk a little bit about this avian influenza that's going on right now, uh, the bird flu uh, across uh, across America. So we'll be back right after this short break. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. 
I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coupes and check out their integrated coupe accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coupe Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coupes because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at 1-800-720-1134. Remember, that's strombergschickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your Hensaver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. 
Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Back Poultry with the Chicken Whisper. And I can apologize for the maybe the variation in sound. Um, today is the first day we have been upgraded to HD um, high definition sound anyway. We don't do video any longer. But um, so there's different switches, there's different things. You have to have high bandwidth. So I'll go back and listen to the archive and I've been playing around with the switches a little bit today to just uh, see. But in the long run, uh, it'll be better for uh, all of our listeners just trying to upgrade sound a little bit, doing what we can to make the uh, uh, listening uh, a little bit more pleasurable for you. And uh, better sound means uh, you'll enjoy the show better. So again, uh, over the next two or three uh, shows, we'll be uh, playing around with the sound to try to tweak it to get it the best quality we can for you, our listeners. So thank you very much for being patient uh, with that. So let's head over here. And uh, uh, Peter, I believe I brought you back on this. Let me know. I'm here. Okay, good deal. Got it. Um, yeah, I don't specifically have any more questions about uh, the chick behavior, but I did want to um, talk a little bit with you about the, the, the um, AI you want to call it an outbreak um again kind of moving uh east you kind of you kind of called this way back uh, uh when when we were covering it when it was coming down uh through canada and uh oregon and washington state and california and then it kind of moved over idaho and then we were looking at i think maybe uh was it Arkansas, kansas and then just, just keeps kind of moving and um you were talking about the flyaways based on uh once when they were all flying south and now when they're all flying north and uh, there have been uh, several backyard uh, and smaller hobby flocks that have been uh, affected and infected and cold. It's not just the big commercial farms. Uh, a tremendous amount of calls in uh, Minnesota due to turkey and the turkey deaths. And then uh, now we're seeing a chicken farm, a commercial chicken farm with 200,000 um, chickens. And um, a lot of people, uh, and, and we understand, we love our birds, we we love the chickens, a lot of us who have that relationship with them, they may be named, they may be pets, and so when we see something like, good, good heavens, 200,000 of these birds are destroyed, nobody wants to see that, nobody wants to have that, whether it be uh, uh, the um, the financial hardship of, of the farmer, maybe his family, um, or, or of course, even certainly the, the company as well, who has lots of employees that they support, uh, down to, you know, the, hey, oh, I hate it for, for birds. Uh, I just, it just, it just stinks to see that many deaths. Um, 
So we get that. Uh, we understand that. And it's it's rough all the way around. It's rough when you've got countries all around the world that are now banning poultry uh, from the U.S., which is a financial hardship, uh, uh, may not affect you and your little two acre farm with your six chickens, but it does affect us. Uh, economy in many different ways it affects maybe your neighbor who works for that company so it's more than just oh i've got six backyard chickens some of the comments we see are quite surprising peter i saw one that said something about whoever's doing this needs to stop but they were blaming on a person they were blaming this on on uh um, on, on someone going and visiting farms and, and, and spreading the disease and infecting these chickens from state to state or from farm to farm. Um, and, and I'm not saying there can't be, you know, uh, bioterrorism uh, in farming. I know a while back it was a serious topic with the USDA and others after 9-11. But, um, you know, so we had we had that comment. We had someone actually saying, um, I'll try to pull it up. I want to pull something up that does mess with the bandwidth a little bit, but uh, it was something to the fact that um, this was uh, uh, man-made created and, and uh, you know, just to, to cause havoc. Something uh, was said about, oh, and this was interesting, and we did cover this on, on one of the last episodes when we had uh, you and Dr. McRae and Dr. Patisky and uh, Dr., I forget his name, from the USDA, right after the first um, uh, outbreak uh, over in uh, Washington State about how come there hasn't been any um, vaccination uh, vaccine um, developed for this yet or a cure uh, developed for this yet and uh, you know what what can I treat my birds how come they have to call the whole flock and and realistically I answer that question with normally the f- first sign is a you know a, a slew of dead birds you know you walk out into a house with 200,000 birds and you may have 25,000 dead right there the next day um, and again, to try to get ahead of this, to try to keep it from spreading. Right now, the best option is to call and corn, call the call the flock, quarantine the farm, uh, get other farms to do the best. Now, I'm going to ask you this question because it was asked, uh, and I don't even know if the the USDA know, knows this. I can definitely try to give a call. Um, and, and but you've been in the industry uh, a while back, um, and we're starting to see. Uh, at least now from what's made public, less hobby farm, uh, um, backyard farms infected, at least right now. But we're seeing these commercial farms and people are asking the question is that if these farms are supposed to be enclosed, these turkeys, these chickens are raised inside, enclosed, they're not outside, they're not doing the free range thing, how do they we get it. We get we get the wild birds, and we get you know the 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 waterfowl, the geese, the ducks, you know, flying and, and migrating. We get that stuff. We, but um, could it be one of the workers there uh, stepping in some of the 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 wild bird feces that just happens to be on the farm there in the flyway, and then walks in and walks into the coop while they're maintaining or taking care of it? Um, could it be that? What what you know that that's a big question of how are. How are these birds that are supposedly kept inside in this this super tight bio? And all of a sudden, we're seeing it, you know, farm to farm to farm to farm, county to county to county. Um, tell us your your take on that uh, instead yeah. of these the outside birds that are going over to the pond. It's interesting that you asked that question because uh, a few weeks ago, um, uh, Dr. McCray and myself had a little bit of a conversation about just this and. Um, 
the, just like, let me go back one step, just like NPIP is not uh, evenly uh, administered across the country, okay? And mm -hmm. by that I mean there are some places where people want to be uh, tested for uh, uh, mycoplasma and they, don't, they won't do it. Uh, so they, the only thing they'll, they'll, they'll do is the uh, salmonella pylorum and, and that kind of thing. Um, so there, there aren't, um, there are not even uh, biosecurity measures across the country. Now, I don't know what they do in California, but uh, Dr. McCray alluded to the fact that they do a lot more than they do here, where I live and where she lives. And um, I have to say I agree with her. Um, technically, other than getting shot by a farmer, uh, I don't think there's a, a, a chicken house here that I couldn't really walk up to, and if I got out of my vehicle quick, go open the door and walk inside. That's your biosecurity. Putting a sign up at the entrance to a farm driveway that is 25, 30 feet off the road and saying no admittance is not a deterrent. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, for instance, right. here, there are no regulations here for when they clean out chicken houses. And we're just starting now because the weather is turning decent, except for today. It's raining like crazy. But um, you know, we're coming into manure spreading season. And uh, you will see farm truck after farm truck after spreader after spreader going down the road uh, with manure and feathers flying all over the place. So I don't see any biosecurity. The industry is its own worst enemy for the most part. Um, I don't think the, a mm -hmm. lot of the uh, workers uh, that, uh, that, that do these, um, that take care of these farms, they're, uh, at least here, uh, they're independent contractors. The uh, grow-out companies don't own the farms. Uh, they dictate what what gets done on the farm. When you're going to get chickens? When they're going to go out? How much feed is done? What medications may or may not be used? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What cleanout's going to be all about? And how long you're going to have downtime? And how much money you're going to get paid at the end of the day? All of that's laid out. I don't see, you know, uh, people here are avid hunters, duck hunters, uh, deer hunters, and uh, mm -hmm. you know we've got field after field after field here. Uh, you know, we're right in the Atlantic Flyway. Um, you know, nothing to say it can't happen here. It's happened here before. Um, there's not enough education at that mm -hmm. level. The, the, and, and uh, you know, I'm just telling it like I see it. The industry here, and I can't speak for Wisconsin, Minnesota, or any of these other places because I don't know. Dr. McCray can tell you about California. She feels they've got a much better situation out there because they do actually practice biosecurity. So I have to take her at a word. She used to live there. She worked there. She knows. I don't. But I do know what goes on here from what I see, and, uh, you know, they're just, they're just not paying attention. And it, 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 the industry is driven by dollars, and if they can't see the dollars being put into it and dollars coming out of the other side that are more coming out than what they put in, they're not interested. And, um, you know, they have plans in place if all hell breaks loose. Sure, they, they do that. They got that all lined up, you know, because we've been down this road before. Let me give you an example. Some years back, we had a, a, an outbreak here of avian influenza, very unexpected. Nobody knew where it came from. First time in, in Maryland, blah, 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 all that crap. Okay? What, was it the high path? Was it the high pathogen? Oh, yeah. Highly yeah, well, pathogenic? But, okay. Yeah, but here, even here, high path, low path, they're going to kill them all. They're not going to take a chance on it. Mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> but at any rate, well, when they come down and investigate it, what it was was that the, the, uh, the, person who was managing the farm, I don't know whether they actually owned it or not, 
okay? But the person that was managing the farm was stealing birds from the chicken house, load them up in crates, and take them to the auction. And bringing those same crates back, taking chickens, taking them to the auction. And eventually brought back the avian influenza from the auction, and that's, that's that, what, <laughs> that was the story with that one. So, <clears throat> um, you know, people, like I say, people here hunt. Um, I don't think it's uncommon for somebody to be out hunting uh, either first thing in the morning or later in the day and then come home, put up the gun, and walk right out into the chicken coop and pick up dead birds and make sure everything's okay or with their dog who's been out hunting with them all day and maybe picked up a few uh, uh, geese or ducks or whatever. Um, you know, I, I've known people who have their dogs go in the chicken house and they'll help them pick up the dead birds. They'll go fetch one, pick it up, bring it back to him, and you know, he's picking up the others. And So the biosecurity, it's, it's a big word. But I don't think it's really applied uh, the, the way it uh, it's supposed to be. And I think I just have to look around and see that if it were applied the way it's supposed to be, then why are we having all these problems? You know, years ago, and actually quite a, year, a few years ago, not maybe 20 years plus, there was a big outbreak of laryngotracheitis known as LT in, in, uh, in uh, Germany. And, you know, they did the things that they normally do. They quarantined the farm that had it, quarantined everything around it, pull all the servicemen out of the field so they're not spreading around until they get it under control, you know, start vaccinating, blah, blah, blah. And it continued on and on and on. They couldn't figure it out. So one day somebody said, hey, the feed trucks, nobody's disinfecting the feed truck. Go from farm to farm to farm, spreading it right one after another. Uh, the same thing it. happened down in Virginia when they had that last big outbreak of AI there. Okay, They had no real game plan in place. Okay, And uh, they loaded the dead tr birds up on trucks, uncovered, going up and down the highway with them. And if you go back there and you look at the data on, on those, you'll find out that out of all the flocks that they tested, only commercial birds had the problem. There wasn't one backyard flock that they tested. They tested quite a few okay, that had the problem. It was all in the commercial sector. And that, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, that came out of a flock of turkeys, I want to say, that came up out of the Carolinas. Okay? So... Well, they can talk their game of biosecurity and everything else, but they will put it off on somebody else before they blame themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think that's mm -hmm. evident, evident now. The other part of the thing is, why are we seeing more of it? We're seeing more of it because it is more prevalent in other areas of the world. Okay? Uh, almost every major country in the European Union has had a problem with Saudi Arabia still has an ongoing problem, has had now for years. Um, you know, China's still having problems. Uh, Mexico had a problem last year, year before, down to egg-laying flocks, decimated their, their industry. Uh, so it's, it's everywhere. And, you know, it's not going to go away. Uh, as far as vaccines are concerned, I haven't really kept up with that part of it, but I would assume, uh, at least for the moment, that it is as difficult for uh, predicting what vaccine you're going to use for this and how you're going to protect birds against it with multiple antigens because of the way the thing mutates. You know, if it was very simple, uh, for instance, when most vaccines are made, they take the antigen, meaning the disease organism, that you're trying to protect against, and they usually try to take the one that gives the widest coverage. In other words, one strain of this particular disease organism will cover maybe four, five, six, maybe ten others enough, maybe not 100%, but enough to keep it under control rather than having an outbreak. And that's how it works. And um, I don't know if they can do that with the uh, avian influenza thing. I know that there are specific vaccines that can be made 
uh, in very short order uh, against a specific uh, type. But um, whether one can be made that is uh, or is made now that is going to give us the protection we need uh, against multiple uh, uh, antigens, I'm not sure. I know that's a mouthful. Yeah, lot I'm of comments here because. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, read read some of the comments here on a Facebook under the under the story. Um, uh, someone had put down even more reason to have uh, our own chickens, and I can't I can't disagree with that. But there were some backyard flocks out out west that succumbed to this uh, influence as well. So it doesn't just affect the commercial flocks. Um, we've got. These big farms need to be closed. This is horrendous. Again, it's uh, it's uh, the risk is equal with the, even the backyard flocks because if you live in that flyway, and uh, we need to also practice good biosecurity as well. Um, we've got oh, this was interesting. Um, this is the one I was talking about blaming a particular individual, um, which, which is a possibility, uh, but maybe not in this case. But I am so sick of evil people contaminating our on purpose. I hope they get caught and this all backfires in their face. Uh, I'm sick of the sabotage. Uh, so does anyone know, does anyone know the mad scientist who is doing this? Um, maybe check with the turkey farms to see if the chicken farmer has some of the same employees. Now that we yeah, just I, talked I, about I that. Know exactly who sense. The is. I, I know exactly who it is. called Mr. Duck, Mr. Goose. And you know, that, that's where it <laughs> yeah. comes from. And, and, uh, you know, the comments are from people who are not informed, don't understand how it works. Um, you know, I can't say that, uh, uh, you know, the rhyme and reason why these farms in, in, uh, in Minnesota and Wisconsin have the problem, but it, it has to be a lack of biosecurity or a breakdown in that biosecurity. Uh, for instance, you go back and look at two, three, four years ago, I think it was, there was a small farm. A uh, group of people, I can't remember what state they were from, but it really is immaterial, and they were selling uh, cantaloupe. And the cantaloupe was uh, contaminated with listeria. You remember that? Mm-hmm. case went to trial a couple of years ago or last year or whatever. And um, all that came from was lack of experience, lack of knowledge of how you were supposed to disinfect and clean the machinery that you had, okay, they left water in it uh, in places where it shouldn't have been, and the bacteria grew in those places and contaminated the melons. So it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't something that somebody went out and did. They did it by accident, not knowing. Mm -hmm. And why did they do that? Because they were ill-informed and uneducated in what they were doing. And that goes for everything else. If you go and look at some of the documentaries that some of your big turkey producers uh, have, uh, I've seen some of them on some of the upper channels uh, on, on TV here. Um, the lengths that they go through to defeat contamination. And when you look at how complex the whole thing is, that one breakdown in that chain of events of somebody not doing their job or doing it improperly, the whole thing is a bust and the contamination will be everywhere. I don't think, and I may be wrong, somebody correct me if they want to, they got the information, but I don't think any major company worth its salt that has spent millions or billions 
of dollars, perfecting a brand and getting it in the marketplace and getting market share. And God all knows, we, we know getting market share can be tough for any company. And maintaining mm-hmm. that would deliberately go and, and, and take a shortcut that they knew was going to come back on them, not only financially, but, but it's, it's, it could ruin them. These people rely on people, and, and for the most part, you know, in your processing plants and, and things like We have the safest food chain in the world, bar none. I don't mm-hmm. care where you go. I don't care how many problems we've had, uh, this, that, and the other thing. So if you want to close these farms, let's close them all tomorrow, and then all the Americans will starve to death and half the world, too, because we feed the world, irregardless of what do you think. And whether it be almonds or or. or, or beef or turkeys or chicken. So close them all tomorrow so you all starve to death. You'd be fighting in the store, just like they used to do in Russia, fight over a piece of moldy bread. Mm -hmm. That's what it'll come to. That's what you want. You can't grow enough chickens in your backyard. You can't. People today don't have the wherewithal. It's not like the 1920s and the 1930s and 1940s. Different today. Everybody's got a different agenda. And that's the way it is. I mean, I've looked at it from nine ways from Sunday. You know, it's just... You know, even here, I don't want any more animals than we already got. You know, I got, I got enough on my plate, I can tell you that. You know. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and we've talked about it on the show a mazillion times. Uh, we've had the, the commercial growers, and, and I've uh, worked with them as well, trying to let them know that, hey, we're doing what we can to get the get the hobby flocks and the backyard farmers educated on on biosecurity that you know they seem to be worried about that like you said there may be some areas of the country where they need to take heed themselves a little bit more strict with biosecurity but um you know we we've talked about it and that's the million dollar question when you have people saying cage free pasture raised more humane everybody's opposed to that but it's it's the issue is that you've got chicken uh, and eggs are a very inexpensive, for the most part, protein source for all and and of all incomes, um, and that's the issue. If if you know that's when, and I've said this, and I think it really sums it up. Uh, a lot of times on these forums, they'll people will post a um, uh, a picture of a, a commercial poultry truck going down the road, going from the house to to the slaughter, and. They'll, they'll write whatever comment on it. And I'll be like, look, you know, if you have ever bought chicken in the store or bought chicken at a restaurant or bought chicken fast food joint in America, look at that truck and blame yourself, period. Because um, that's why it's like that. So you can have a 99 cent chicken McNugget meal. Uh, uh, that's a three ninety nine chicken sandwich value meal. Fishery chicken from the grocery store at four dollars and ninety eight cents, um, and I know there's plenty out there listening going by that. I've never eaten fast food. Okay, well, you're in the minority there because there's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people with, on fixed incomes that do. As you know, bottom line, and um, and well, that's why because people way. want a ninety nine cent chicken nugget. Yeah, and people's lives have changed. Okay, um, from caring about a lot of things to caring about themselves because and and i don't mean that everybody is is greedy and and self-centered and everything else i i mean that um when we started having uh you know having to have two people in the household work to make ends meet rather than one and i don't want to hear about you know women not working that's a personal thing not i got nothing to say about it i'm just saying that you can go back and you can trace all of this back to those kinds of things so 
now you're running every day. You're running to get dinner on the table, kids home, uh, homework, uh, baths, uh, get to bed, uh, get them up in the morning, get them out to school, get lunches made and all this kind of stuff. And a lot of the other stuff just gets lost in the shuffle. It just does. And um, that's, that's the way it is. That's the way America is today. And people don't care necessarily about this, that, or the other, because when you get home, you know you have to put a meal on the table. And then there are other people that care about it way more than anybody else and uh, those that are in between. And, you know, I understand it, and I don't poo-poo it either way. Each individual has their own way of doing things, but that, that's how our nation is, is today. It isn't like it was, uh, you know, back during the 40s and stuff with the Victory Garden and all those kind of things when everybody was, was on the same page and, and, you know, growing their own food, so to speak, for the most part, and, and pretty much self-sufficient. We've gone way the other way. We've gone way the other way. We're no, more, no longer self-sufficient by any stretch. That's just the way it is. But, yep, um, I agree. Now, this is going to be around today for a while, this avian influenza thing. I, I, I've warned of it before, uh, and I'll say it again. Now, you can talk about global warming, climate change, call it what you want. But I think as uh, things do develop in those particular areas, okay, um, I think you're going to see that you know there's going to be a shift in, in not only this type of, of disease but other diseases. And you're going to see things come out that haven't been out before or haven't been seen in many, many years because the environmental conditions will be conducive to those organisms thriving. And that's the way it's going to be. And so, you know, everybody has to start doing things a little bit differently. But it, it probably won't till, till it bites everybody. That's usually the way it works. But um, I think it's here to stay. I don't see it going away anymore. Yeah, I heard so. Yeah, I heard someone else. Uh, there was a uh, article about it uh, this this past week that said the same thing that um, uh, well, this this is probably going to be um, unfortunately something we'll see from here on out. Uh, now that it's that's here, and and I don't know uh, I don't know if uh, as of the date uh, this particular outbreak since I guess uh, December through now, if there is in, in the back previous years, is there's any. Um, in, a, in a single in a six month period, uh, than right now. So it's interesting. I'm I'm going to find out more about it this Thursday. Uh, I'm very honored. I'll be heading up to Atlanta, uh, and I'll be meeting uh, an undersecretary uh, with the United States Department of Agriculture. And um, I'll post this on Facebook a little later. I had great opportunity. Uh, in fact, I lined up. Uh, I was reached. Uh, they reached out to me and wanted. To, she was going to be in in Georgia. She's uh, talking in uh, Athens at University of Georgia on biosecurity, and then I think she's uh, talking at a big major um, conference in a, in Atlanta at a very very fancy hotel where it costs like a thousand dollars a person to attend. It's like this big corporate thing on uh, on biosecurity, and then um, they reached out to me, and I found a, a, a coop. I reached out to my folks in Atlanta who belong to that group. I started, and she's going to be at a backyard coop um, for about an hour. They'll be doing some filming. There may be some media there, and they'll be doing a, talking about the importance of biosecurity as well. So uh, I'm gonna, looking forward to pick her brain. In fact, she's the chief scientist uh, for USDA, um, so I'm really interested in, in talking with her and picking her brain about this too. 
So that'll be Thursday. I'll post more about that as I get more information about it. But Peter, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for your flexibility uh, based on uh, Monday not working due to a doctor's appointment. Family comes first. I've posted that once if I posted a million times, but uh, I had to take care of the wife. And uh, thanks for coming on today. And we look forward to seeing you. I'm trying to see if next Monday I think will be fine as well before we hit the road on the book tour. So uh, thanks very much for yourself, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you, Andy. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All righty, folks. That's going to wrap up another episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Um, you can uh, join us 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let me look at the calendar. I think tomorrow we just might have the quail lady, Alexandra Douglas, uh, joining us tomorrow. I think tomorrow is her day. Uh, this Thursday, like I said, there will not be a show this Thursday. Uh, but there will be a live Twitter chat at 2 p.m. I'll be posting more about that on Twitter and on Facebook. It will be about biosecurity, and it will be this Thursday at 2 p.m. I'll be posting all about that, how you can join us on that, on that Twitter chat. I'll be doing the Twitter chat along with the uh, undersecretary as well. She's going to be at the Georgia Department of Agriculture uh, in-house uh, doing that Twitter chat. Um, so no show this Thursday, so I will reschedule poultry scientist and professor Dr. McCray for a following day uh, so she can come on and share her knowledge with us. So a busy week. I'll be posting all that on Facebook and Twitter. Hope you can join us there. Again, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. All righty. And hey, make sure you join us every Monday right here for Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. God bless everybody.